Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include ageism, transphobia, dysphoria, gender-affirming surgeries, race, racism, sex, dating, and discussions of social inequities. So meowdy everyone, I'm Gender Meowster. I use they-them pronouns, and I'm going to let both of my guests introduce themselves. Uh, I don't know how you all want to figure out who's going first, so rock, paper, scissors or something. Hi, my name's Kai. My (laughs) pronouns are he, him, his, and I am... A queer trans guy who transitioned in 1996. My tran anniversary is yesterday, so happy tran anniversary. Especially old. Happy yeah. anniversary, Heart. So the way we define tran anniversary is very open, but the way we talk about tran anniversary is for those who define transition and any whatever that means. That was the day that I began, like physically taking my first testosterone shot. It means something for everybody else. But special interests include, I am a huge dog lover and I bake my heart out. So if you come visit me, I will have cookies or something else ready for you. And yeah, I'm Sporty Spice and happy to be here. So thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. I have to say <laughs> on our podcast, like uh, we have Kai and I are co-hosts of a podcast. What's still. your name? I'm sorry. I'm Jacko, but I just have to say that I call Kai Sporty Spice all the time. You do. It's true. I I, I totally call him Sporty Spice. I love it. And my name is Jacko. I too go by he, him pronouns, but pronouns has been a process for me, like the whole asking people for their pronouns. And I'll get into that a bit later. I have a ton of special interests. I too have a dog. I have two cats. I love karaoke. I love to sing. They help people practice their English so that they can, we talk about different things. Right now I'm doing a an eight-week discussion club on sexism and feminism. I've done them on racism in the U.S. compared to Mexico. I've done just discrimination in general. So I'm really a big advocate for anti-discrimination and I draw comics in my spare time, whenever that is. Wow. I didn't know you drew comics also. That's so fun. Oh my gosh. So to answer the question someone asked in the Twitch chat, what are we doing today? We're doing a podcast. I'm interviewing these two fabulous beings and both of you have a talk show called Stealth. And I've listened to a bunch of episodes. I don't know if I'm all the way caught up. I might've missed the most recent one or two, but I've listened to all of the rest of them. And it's a great show, everyone. You should go check it out. And we'll give you all the links and the things to go listen and follow and subscribe and give five stars, etc. at the end of the show. But One, thank you both so much just for making that show. It's so amazing as a transmasculine, non-binary person finding my way in the world to find this archive of stories of people who went before me. Like, I could cry just thinking about it. It's probably the most important podcast I found in the last several years. So uh, thanks for making it. You're too sweet. Y'all. Okay. So I have two questions I like to ask all of my guests at the beginning of each show. And you can tailor the question to your wants if you prefer but the first the first question i have for both of you is what are some things that you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be trans or gender diverse in some way in the future well i can remember back to when i was a little kid on a plane crossing the country i was about 
three and a half. And the flight attendant said something to my mother that you have such a beautiful little girl. And I said, I'm not a little girl, I'm a little boy. And I was wearing a dress. And I remember just that was the first time that it caught my mom's attention out loud. And then throughout my youth, I definitely did not fit into what would be typically assigned to like gender roles, particularly uh, thought of for a, an AFAB person assigned female at birth. So I was always transgressing gender norms back then. And I really enjoyed having people use he, him pronouns as a kid. I got my hair cut short when I was nine. And that was an amazing thing because I could quote unquote pass. And so that's, those are some key times. I never liked, it's very like, I'm very flexible. I'm more feminine now than I was when I was a kid. And I never, I would be more apt to wear makeup now than I ever would have been as a kid. Like you couldn't pin me down to, to put makeup on me. I have three sisters that were totally into it. So yeah. anyway, those are some moments that, that really I remember. And, and I also remember just not fitting in with girls. Mm. That was probably one of the biggest, indie, like almost a danger zone a little bit. Just my first encounter with unfriendliness because I didn't fit in the boxes and kids mm-hmm. can sniff you out when you're on the fringes. And yeah. so I remember being called to called people called me names and I drew some unwanted attention just by virtue of who I was as a kid. Yeah. Do you feel like being able to to do feel more feminine or do more feminine things now is because you feel like you're finally living your true gender and so there's more room for those expressions because people are gendering you correctly in the world and you feel like you've actualized yourself? I think I've really loosened up and it's leading into your question, how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? I think as a young kid, I was very much invested in being boy and very aware that I, that boys had it a certain way and I didn't as a little girl. And so I, I felt like as I grew up and was queer, I grew up in a time when I came out as queer, it was very much the time where Katie Lang was popular and you were supposed to be androgynous and you were supposed to eschew anything butch femme, at least when I was in the culture in which I was came out in. And so I, I think I was just blending. I was just who I was and really androgynous looking. And, but I didn't embrace feminine, like traditionally feminine, what somebody may stereotypical feminine attributes or roles. And now I'm like, I don't care. I'm just so much more confident. I'm so much more feminine than I used to be. I'm so much more just at ease and comfortable. And I really like it. I like to be warm and sensitive and being gay. It's, it makes that easier for me. It really helps me. I'm a therapist, so I think I can be a good role model for other trans masculine masculine folks. And just by letting myself be who I am and just show up how I do. So it's been really nice. So yes, in answer to your question, I think that transition has certainly allowed me to express myself fully. I love that. Thank you for being a trans mask therapist, side note, because <laughs> my therapist is also trans mask and it's made a huge difference. There's a whole volume of information I don't have to explain. And he actually has resources that I haven't heard of <laughs> that I needed to know about. So it's, it's important when trans people take positions in these skilled labor, especially in the spaces where we have to take care of each other. Like my doctor, non-binary, my therapist, trans man, my hairstylist, barber, non-binary. And it's just, it's so amazing. I feel so lucky to have access to that. So thank you for being part of that solution in the world for people. 
That's so cool. I love it. And you have fabulous hair, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I know. You look like a Christmas present. Your face is so cute and you got all these bows on top. I'm like, I just want to open you and kiss it. <laughs> That's so kind. Okay. Jackal, okay, you want me do, to you, go- do you want to answer that same sure, question sure. as a youth? Yeah. My, so my experience is a lot different. Like I don't, yeah. I never felt like I've had the traditional trans story of sure. you've always felt like you were a boy and you were born in the wrong body. Like I've never had that my narrative. And I, but I have to say that I grew up in what I consider to be kind of, maybe not a non-traditional girlhood. My, my grandparents were farmers. And so being a cowgirl and being dirty and being like in jeans and being like even a tomboy or whatever was supernatural. And so, so that gender norm didn't really come through to me a lot. And, and I could do the same things that boys could do. And boys, could, boy, boys were the ones that had more kind of restrictions that they didn't couldn't wear the same dresses that I could. And even though they might've been frilly, I didn't mind them like for Easter or whatever it was. So I enjoyed my childhood. I enjoyed my girlhood. I enjoyed my teenage years even. I did start fantasizing about having a peanut when I was in high school and like imagining what it would be if you could change your gender for a day kind of thing. I did that a lot. Like I, I would ask people and people, some people would be like, yeah, that'd be cool. And other people would be like, why would you want to do that? And so clearly there was something going on, but I didn't have the language for it. And I was considered like I got my hair cut short when I was in high school and I was considered very androgynous. I was super skinny. I barely had breasts. And and yeah, like people would mistake me for a boy. If I was on the bus, they would be like, are you a girl or a boy? Like all this stuff. And I think that there started to be signs. And I dated guys for quite a while. And then, and this, like, I'm telling you, like, what indicated as a use, but I'm also going into, like, how it evolved over time, too. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I dated guys for a while, and I just could not deal with the sexism, and so I became a lesbian. Like, I was yeah. like, I'm a dyke, dyke is good, love it, butch dykes rule. I was femme, I was, okay, so I was androgynous, I was a punk anarchist, female-bodied punk anarchist, and I was a femme dyke, like, I was, mm-hmm. like, this cute, skinny bald-headed chick thing it was amazing <laughs> and no like you should see pictures like it's phenomenal so you're saying you've but, just uh, been good looking forever in all the genders. oh my god don't say that <laughs> don't say that Jeez. i was told my friend said something like you're stunning and i said i just always think that i'm average right like you but know have you, you just don't like your mustache be, curls it's such a good no, curl whatever, whatever. <laughs> jackal does not if you put a box in front of jackal jackal doesn't fit in a single box <laughs> I don't. I really, I really can't say that I do. And I appreciate that about me. But yeah, so transgender was in the 90s, like a phenomenal, it broke out of every box that was in front of me at the time. And it was just, for me, it was like, obvious that this is the path I needed to take was just and it's so funny to hear you guys talk about feeling comfortable in your femininity now because for me it's I don't really I don't really I don't have that energy and I don't know if it's because I played with that energy already as a girl and so I don't really I mean I, I love to be gentle and kind and I love to be loving and stuff but I'm not I don't I don't mind if we did makeup play or whatever drag or something like that but it's not my go-to and it's not my I don't although I'm a gay man and I don't feel effeminate in my masculinity and in my Mm -hmm. gayhood it's like so it's funny that I've had all of this kind of experience with it but uh, yeah and that's my story for now I love your story 
Did you say that you grew up on a ranch with your grandparents or on a farm? No, no. My grandparents were farmers and every summer we would go and spend that every summer. Me and my cousin, my siblings as well. And we we would ride horses. Like we would jump over rattlesnakes, not on purpose, but it was like. Yeah, well, you see one, what are you going to do if you don't have a shovel or a shotgun? You got to do something. Yeah, Yeah, you're just running along, (laughs) snap, rattlesnakes, (laughs) minding its own business. You're like, oh, yeah, let me get out of your path. So, yeah, yeah, we were were rough and tumbles all all through my childhood. I don't know if you know what an irrigation ditch is. but It's a big ditch. Yeah, it's a big ditch. It has a big funnel of water coming pushed out of it uh-huh. that's how i learned to swim is was in an irrigation ditch <laughs> i mean there's you know. gotta be some ddt in there and nice <laughs> now prohibited now that we're like a little bit more involved we're sorry about the whole global warming thing climate change <laughs> god we're not boomers we're gen xers just fyi yeah. gen X for sure. oh boy the reason i ask about the ranch is because my wife trans capybara grew up on a a cattle ranch full-time and she's a trans woman but she also is more butch but she's a butch woman Mm -hmm. a butch trans woman but so she's not super frilly she doesn't like clothes that are super frilly she does like dresses because you know woman but doesn't doesn't need the multiple layers Mm -hmm. and like the high femme Mm -hmm. makeup and she's not trying to look like Mm -hmm. a drag queen or something so yeah i was i'm mostly curious because i wonder how much of that type of sensibility might come from growing up on a ranch to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about it because of your question. And I thought like that's a big part of it because I think that some people were allowed to be tomboys or and some people weren't. And so there's a different way that story plays out in our lives, each mm-hmm. of our lives. Yeah. So the next question is, how has your relationship evolved to gender over time? Both of you have facial hair. So my guess is you might both have had tea at some point in your life. But you I know. just did, but you're right. Like, there, yeah, might, like, there might be more there might be more to say and if you feel complete on the you don't have to answer you don't have to both answer it if, if you feel complete but mm-hmm. i just wanted to offer the opportunity to talk about how did you go from the youth trying to figure it out or the youth who was fine with your gender and other people were saying things and you were like why are you just saying this about me to the trans masculine identified adults that you are today with your fabulous beards and your deep voices and your flamboyantness of varying quantities i, I don't know i'll, I'll just start because I think mine's a shorter story. I think Kai's, uh, I believe Kai is more elaborate. He really met the transgender community in Seattle in the mid 1990s. And is like I had been introduced from to them earlier and was, what is this thing? It's weird. And then I went away for a couple of years and met another transgender person, like totally randomly. And who actually transitioned after me, but we were talking about the same subject and it was interesting to be away from my community and then have this kind of conversation outside that I was able to think about it more on my own and then came back and decided and met up with this community that was so, so amazing and so awesome. And Kai was part of that. And Kai actually was already transitioning by the time I started and yeah and realized that was it didn't take me very long to realize that was the path I wanted to choose as well and so I did jump through the hoops at the time and I'm not going to go through all of that and started taking tea and then through that process transition happens like in different ways for different people like some people can't grow facial hair as well as others some people go bald 
you know, what some people have facial hair, whatever, not facial hair, but chest hair, like body hair, like different people do different things. We're all unique. And yeah, and I wanted to have a beard and I've gone through different stages of goatee and mustache and whatever, but now I have my full like beard and other people grow them really long and this is where I like it. So yeah, we actually, one of your previous talk show guest Spencer was on our show and we the first question I asked him was how do you take care of your beard so he gave us all the beard care tips <laughs> and he said one of the coolest recent moments was when a cis guy approached him at a grocery store at a red box or something and asked him how he made his beard so luscious <laughs> Spencer does have a luscious beard it he is. really does it it's is amazing <laughs> so good so Kai, what about you? How's your relationship to gender evolved over time? Similar to Jacqueline, yes, I've been on testosterone. And I mentioned earlier that I started in 1996. I think I've definitely like over time felt different needs to modify or not modify my body based on dysphoria and how I was feeling in the world. And initially when I began questioning my gender, it was very much about my what was in my pants. And it was very much... I felt a lot of sadness and missing out about not having a penis and as a young person. And I remember thinking I didn't know that it was an option to take testosterone back then. I didn't know that was a thing. I had dated people that were very trans mask in the past and had a hint that there was something going on, but I never thought that would be something I could do. And once I found the really, I, we did have something very special in the mid nineties in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, we were connected to the Portland community, to the Vancouver community. We would drive back and forth between the communities and have potlucks. We would go like once a month and hang out together and just be really, we would connect through AOL Messenger, like AOL and Yahoo email accounts and Hotmail email accounts. I know, <laughs> DSL, if we had it. So I think it just grew. It, it was like, I was introduced to very much a binary, what it meant to be an F to M, female to male transsexual at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much one or the other. And there were still hints of people who said in order to be an F to M, you had to do a, a series of steps without veering. And that wasn't something that I felt was a good fit for me. I knew that I couldn't afford lower surgeries at the time. It wasn't covered. I was really working poor at the time. So I adapted over time. And now in the last seven or eight years, lower surgery became an option for me. And it was something that I had tabled because I didn't think I would ever have the option. So that has figured into my gender identity over time. And it has been, I've been really lucky enough to have access to care, to affirming healthcare. And I'm just wrapping up a long series of surgeries and breaks between surgeries. So as of May this year. Wow. Congratulations. It's a big Thank journey. You. Since my wife and I are both trans, we just take turns having surgeries, <laughs> like helping each other recover and then to have, there's the next one. It's been a multi-year process. <laughs> it's no joke. It really isn't. And I think like that's such a, like, we, I think we need to have, we're going to have a show just because the just healthcare is such a concern for our communities yeah. and then just what it means to access gender affirming care and just what it means to how disruptful it can be to one's life to have these surgeries. And it's really something you can't really know until you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone wants to learn more about Kai and Jackal's sort of background or life story, they have on their podcast, they've actually interviewed each other on two separate episodes. So you can go listen to an hour of these two being cute at each other and talking about life. So if you want more of that specific content, 
go over to Stealth Trans Masculine Podcast right now and find those episodes. You can also see pictures of their wonderful faces. But for now, I want to talk about pronouns because Jekyll, you have a an interesting perspective that I don't know if is heard very often. And I would like to talk about it and learn more. How does the issue of language and pronouns relate to trans invisibility? Thank you. I First, I just want to thank you for letting us be on this show. Like it means a lot to me and, and I'm not kidding when I say it's very sweet of you to honor our podcast and think of it as, as something really of value. And I think that for me, and I'm briefly going to speak for Kai here and he can answer for himself, but one of the reasons that we wanted to do this was to bridge this generational gap between the older generation and the newer generation. A part of that um, story was because of trans invisibility and especially trans elder Mm -hmm. invisibility, trans elder men invisibility. Because I walk through the world and unless I'm wearing my t-shirt, your your stealth t-shirt, my stealth t-shirt or something, people don't know I'm trans. And even Mm -hmm. still, people would necessarily associate me with that trans masculine. People think, just see me as a cisgendered man. And so for me, when the pronoun thing happened first, I want to say, before I say my story, is that I so love and appreciate the new youth of trans and non-binary people because I think that without you we wouldn't be able to move forward like our like we we constantly have to be evolving and understanding and developing language and how that works and uh, promotes us and validates our being right and for but for me what happened was that this new thing came out that was like in especially in 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 any meeting kind of thing, but also especially in diversity and inclusion workshops, that you're supposed to state your name and your pronouns. And I had a visceral negative reaction to this. I was Mm. so angry. Like I was Mm -hmm. so angry. And I had to examine that. Like I was like, why am I so angry? And what happened was for me that I realized that in these situations, I would have to say, my name is Jekyll, I'm he, him, which I do identify with. I don't identify as being they, them. But what that did was erased 30 years of my existence. And that did not feel good to me. Like you just, okay, like now I'm just like this invisible white cisgender guy because I'm he, him, and you move on. You just move over me and you don't see me. And Mm -hmm. that felt bad. That felt really bad. And or what I had to do, and this also felt bad, is I had to make a two second decision if I was going to come out as trans in a room that I didn't know if I was safe. And so it was like, okay, I'm he, him, but I have to tell you that I am trans and I spent 35 years of my life as a woman and like pronouns don't always fit for me or I don't want you to just hear my pronouns and make me invisible. So it's like I either had a choice to be invisible and perpetuate my own invisibility or to make a two to two second decision if I was going to come out in an environment I didn't know if I was safe in. 
So that was a really big deal for me. And I'm over it. I'm over it. It took me a year, but I'm over it. Uh, But it's still a good story. And I think that it's still an important thing for people to hear. Yeah. What do you think, Kai? I saw many facial expressions and reactions during that story. Jackal is just a kick in the pants. So how can you not react to Jackal? (laughs) I think like a lot of what you said, Jackal, reminds me of when I first became aware of people disclosing pronouns, I was living in Hawaii. I was living in a rural spot. I was not out to people on this island. I This happened in professional settings when I would have to be asked to, to communicate my pronouns. And it was usually in a training, like Jackal said, and it just made me really uncomfortable for some of the same reasons. So I was like, I fought really hard to have this pronoun, like to not have to disclose this pronoun. And it's very not forward thinking now, but initially that was my reaction because I just wasn't hip to what was happening on the mainland or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I was just like, and it also like some of the things when we're asked for demographics, if I'm living, when I was living in a rural place and I was living in a, in a, in a very small area, working for a company who did like demographic surveys and like satisfaction and if identifying information, if I were to disclose something that it's very easy to narrow it down to who it is. And so I felt like there was an issue of safety regarding transvisibility and whether or not how much or how little I would disclose. Yeah. So that's where I went. And I'm so happy that this all ties back to our question earlier, just that regarding my gen- how I present and how I think about gender, it's just, I'm loosening up. And throughout this entire like podcast, talking to our elders and talking to the grandpas and all that just has been so helpful to just hear about to hear our stories and hear about the history, but also we don't have to be so limited. Like so many of us have evolved and just and loosened up and embraced the newness and the youth and just the vast amount of work that's gone into providing, like allowing for us to access something as quote unquote simple as care, which is threatened today. So I'm really pleased about that. Yeah. I know for me, it's so important to ask what pronouns are or to have that culture because I'm they, them, and zero people looking at me know that my pronouns are they, them. Usually I get she heard still because I'm a year and a half on T and I don't have a full beard and my voice hasn't finished dropping, hopefully. And even if I passed as a guy, I'm also not a he, him. And so for people like me and people with neo pronouns like Fei Fair and Zizir and those sorts of things, there's no way to know unless someone shares it or discloses it. And like in my little discord server, we have gender fluid people and their pronouns change every day. And so they'll update their usernames in the server so that people know how to refer to people correctly that day. And so it's fascinating being in this like gender expansive space with the other millennials and Gen Z and whomever is running around. So I steal all and none of your pronouns. (laughs) I I agree. I work with, I work with 11 year olds and up Mm -hmm. and so i and i work with people that are in very rural conservative areas just in the work that i do and i ask every single person what their pronouns are what their gender identity and it's challenging for cishet people that are in their 50s or older or even in their 30s they're like i'm straight i'm a guy it's okay and then i tell them about me and they're like oh okay and i ask everybody and the younger people are like they know what gender identity means. They know what pronouns mean. They're just pop it off. And I think yeah. that is so great. So yeah. I love that. Some of the young teens I work with are like, I don't know today. I don't know what it is today. And I'm like, right on. Yeah, I have to agree. And uh, with Kai, I 
I think it's amazing. And this is why I wanted to preface what I was saying with, I so appreciate the younger generation and the non-binary and the trans kids and youth because you push us forward. And I wouldn't have had to think about my angst and my anger about why this was happening and my own invisibility without that push, okay? I also think that maybe the next generation or or generation of half that comes after you might do something different and even better with language, right? Because I I appreciate that you talk about the ZZM and all of that because one of the things that a lot of cisgendered people think is like, oh my God, like non-binary, it's brand new and like the they, them and this and that. And it's, you know what? This has been going on for decades. Like people have tried to get gender neutral pronouns into the language for a long time. And there have been gender neutral pronouns in writing since the early 1900s, I believe, like for a long time. Like there's a long history of this, a long rich history of this. And what I want is for more gender, I don't want to call it gendered language. I want for more spectrum language or fluid language Mm -hmm. to be able to express identity, identities that that might become invisible. You might become invisible at some point. You know, it's you become just a guy in the world and they don't recognize you as they, them now, but you might actually start to identify as he, him instead of they, them. And then what happens? It's like, where's the space for you to be yourself and be safe? That's what I would like. Yeah, we have a little poem in the chat. Roses are red, violets are blue, singular they predate singular you. Love it. I love trans people. (laughs) We're so funny. (laughs) And we've had to develop a sense of humor to get through all of this. It's like playing life on hard mode. Okay, trans identities are often thought to be on a spectrum. Is it important for cisgender identities to also be considered on a spectrum? There came an answer. Kai reminded me that it's, this is Jackal's question. Jackal made this question. Like You have to answer it. He was asking me yesterday, where'd this question come from? I was just talking about this. How did they know to ask this question? I'm like, dude, you told them. I'm old well and my, my memory's going, Kai. Stop making fun of me. I'm not okay, no. my memory's going. It's fine. ADHD is real. It's fine. <laughs> my, my simple answer is I don't know. I want to think about it and I want people to think about it mm-hmm. because there's two things that I want to say. One is about, again, about my personal story. I'm a trans man. I love being a trans man. I don't have any shame or weirdness about being a trans man. And my question to myself, as I was randomly walking down the street one day, is was I a cisgendered woman before I transitioned? And so it's okay. So here I am, an androgynous, female-bodied high schooler. Here I am, a female-bodied, anarchist, punk rock radical. And here I am, a female-bodied femme dyke. I think that person was cisgender. Like, that person in that moment did not have gender dysphoria. Hmm. That gender dysphoria evolved over time as it became into my consciousness because it wasn't even it, it wasn't even part of my consciousness it was something that developed so for me i feel like i was a cisgender person before i transitioned and i know that's not everybody's story but that's mine and also i was wondering 
if being because I hear cisgendered talked about within our community, especially the trans and non-binary community in a derogatory kind of way, like in a negative way, like cisgendered people just don't get it. Like any cisgendered people are in a box. And I think that's, I'm still struggling with figuring out if this is what I believe or not. But if a cisgendered woman, for example, presents in a gender non-conforming way, like a butch dyke, for example, is she on a cisgendered spectrum or is she on some other spectrum within sexuality and the cisgenderedness is its own thing so like i'm having like the conflation between identity and presentation going on there the difference between gender identity and gender norms so like the gender norm it is gender presentation but it's like gender non-conforming like gender non-conforming like she doesn't present like she gets mistaken as a man in the women's bathroom all the time like all Mm -hmm. these different things but she doesn't identify in any way shape or form as non-binary or trans other people have told her that she's probably trans and not butch other people have told her that she is non-binary but she herself identifies as a cisgendered woman And I really want to say that's okay. And we need to expand a little bit our own thoughts about what cisgendered is. And I recognize that using the term cisgendered helps cisgendered people think about their privilege within the the gender identity realm spectrum of, uh, what do I say about this? Privilege. Like there's a privilege about being able to feel comfortable in your body in a way that trans people and non-binary people, I don't want to say aren't, but are there's struggles that come with that. They, just look they at the laws. Automatically. No, and just look at the laws that try to prevent yeah. us from being who we are. Like and the hate crimes that happen against us, especially in bi- against BIPOC trans women and trans men. Like it's yeah. really intense. And you just can't deny that stuff. So it's like the Examining your privilege when you hear the term like, oh, I'm cisgendered, what does that even mean kind of thing, I think is good. Just it's good to examine your privilege as a white person if you're trying to be for anybody, but especially if you're trying to do anti-racist work or acknowledge racism in the world and, and be an ally. But I also think that there's a way that gender is on a spectrum in general, and I think that cisgender maybe needs a little bit of, of twerking, of tweaking. Yeah. Not twerking. Twerk. <laughs> Tweaking. Adjusting. Tweaking. That was awesome. It's <laughs> okay. Do you have anything to add on that, Kai, or should I ask the next question? I'm fine. Okay. Thank you. So I have one you more question. Fine. Oh, you guys. Oh. I have one more question before we have our preordained mid-show bio break. What are some better terms or ways to describe gendered identities, fluidity, and pronouns? I would say let's put it to everyone else because it's still evolving yeah it is so let us know in the chat let us know in the comments yeah yeah let us know in the discord server to learn and i'm still learning and i definitely am all about whatever's next let's bring it on please agreed yeah i have found it powerful to already mentioned the fluidity of pronouns and the ways that pronouns can be changing day by day. I love having digital, it's like a digital name tag, right? If you're on Discord, for example, and you've got your nickname in that server and it's server specific. So if there's places that you don't want to come out with your pronouns, you don't have to, but having that level of customization, be able to say today it's Fayfair, 
Today it's it they, today it's he they, today it's she her, whatever. It's cool to have that kind of fluidity and options. I've heard some people talk about trans as an umbrella community, and I can tell you I came out as non-binary four years before I even started thinking about HRT. Like I was a non-medically transitioning trans person, but I didn't even consider myself trans because it was too scary because trans meant surgery, trans meant hormones and all this other stuff that one, I didn't have the money to access, two, I didn't have the time to access because I was working poor and didn't couldn't take time off work to get surgery and still make rent and have a place to live. And so it was just, it was so far out of reach to to do any sort of medical stuff. So I was like, I'm non-binary, but I'm not trans. And so there's also some people identify that way. Some people don't. And it's such a, there's no monolith. There's no one identity or way of organizing trans people. You all should see the in-depth, complicated conversations we get into in our gender and sexuality channel about all of these, I almost want to call them like neo-sexual identities, like Trixic. And all of these identities that are like non-binary person attracted to XYZ, like all of these different options. It's like we could make a grid, like a chart and have all of the different things. And it's amazing. And there's like people making wikis to document all of it. There's multiple. I don't even know what a wiki queer is. Wikis. Have you heard of Wikipedia? Yeah. It's like an encyclopedia on the internet that's crowdsourced, like people contribute and there's editors. And people are making different wikis for gender and sexual identities. And there's a bunch of so, them. If people are watching us laugh, at, I'm not laughing at the explanation. I think it's amazing. We're laughing at ourselves, especially me, for being old and not knowing what stuff is. We had to introduce, we had to introduce Jackal to this thing called the internets the other day. <laughs> the world wide web. I know about that. I lived in Seattle, so I know about you know, Bill Gates. <laughs> and all that and we're, we're baby podcasters, so we're still learning the ropes. Totally. Completely. Oh, my gosh. I have so much love and gratitude for both of you being here right now. This is so fun. <laughs> right back at you. Someone has found one of those grids that I told you about and posted it in the Discord server. And there's 10 or 15 identities each direction. And it's so, it's color-coded. It's glorious. That's awesome. <laughs> so we'll put links to those type of wikis and resources in the show description. So if you're viewing this on YouTube or listening to it on the podcast later, you'll be able to see all of that information and go on an info deep dive info dump special interest adventure with all the gender things and all the sexuality things anyway we're going to talk a little bit about intergenerational trans connections what are some things that both of you wish you'd known when you started transitioning what do you wish a trans elder would have shared with you or what do you wish you had known i can start i actually feel like i had so much mentorship and trans elders around me to help me navigate. I don't know that I missed out on anything. Yeah, really, I think that the, even the hoops that we were supposed to jump through, like people knew how to avoid or bypass or work the system. And so those are the tips that I got. And like I said, we had this amazing community where we were. So for me, I think it was fairly easy and I am so grateful to my trans elder. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with post-trans, I'll use my, for my language, it's like post-transition. After I started living as Kai and I thought about becoming who I was as Kai and figuring out who that was and then what 
life would be like post-transition, quote unquote, post-transition. I don't think I'd post anything, but I had to figure out what type of trans man I would be, what type of man I would be, what the implications were over time. So medically, what happens to my body having been on testosterone for 26 years and making sure that I like I had I wish I had known that we'd be okay. There aren't many yeah. studies on us. There's a lot of misinformation about us. Yeah. There are things that we certainly need to look out for and that we be need to be mindful about. So I wish I had known more long-term persons and that there was more information out there about us. I think I wish I had known that I should floss more. That's <laughs> just an old person actually just your dentist, floss. Secret, your dentist only told you every time you were there. I just, I, it's a long story. <laughs> I just, actually <laughs> have a kind of fetish for flossing. I love to floss my teeth. <laughs> Jackal is a kinky <laughs> son of a gun. So that's one of the things is also just I had some concerns about how I would go about dating and being in a relationship with friends. And you just showed us some floss, which is awesome. So I think like just allowing myself to be flexible. And like when I first started transition, I was attracted to trans persons. And I remember thinking I was not in the best headspace at that time. I was trying to figure out who I was and I didn't feel like I had a sense of who I was and I didn't feel confident at all. And as a result, when I was attracted to other trans people, I was really confused because that wasn't something that we talked about very much back in the mm. day. I remember, I wish I had known, you can figure it out as you go and that's okay. So I really, those are a couple of things. And also I think the big one for me is my family is really important to me. And I know now, and I knew back then just how critical it was to have, and the research shows, if a caregiver, whoever that is, is supportive of a queer trans person, all of the beautiful things that we are, that's going to really increase the chances that we stay alive and that we live really good life. So I think like my relationship with my family changed over time and my dad's 91 and he's one of my staunchest allies and advocates. So initially it was a little challenging. I had some really tough years, but also just I wish I had known that I needed to allow them to transition along with me and to give them mm. time based on the limited information they had and resources. And yeah. so I'm just, those are, those are a few things that come to mind. One of my, one of my most treasured episodes of this show is where I got to interview my mom about what it was like when I came out in that whole process. It's That's a, beautiful. It's cool. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I, I know, I just, I love that your dad is so supportive at 91. That's in 2022. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And he, and I will say my mom before she passed was like an amazing ally and has I lived in San Francisco and has been a queer sister. And so like our family, my parents, the, their children of the depression, they had to really adapt to who be the parent that they needed, their, that the kids needed versus maybe the parent that they thought they would be. And that's my number one pro parent tip is parent the kid in front of you. My next question is how can we bridge the generation gap within our community? I think a lot of people that are multi-generational ask this sort of question, but yeah, what I do you think? I think again, we're going to talk about our podcast a little bit, but I think that is one of the things that Kai and I wanted to do is bridge this generation gap. And I know Kai does some of this through his own work, but I think that for us, for me as a trans man, and I know for many of us, we become invisible within our own community. And so really 
staying engaged and also for the younger generation to not assume our gender identities. Like people come up to some people sometimes, I've heard this quite a few times now on our in our interviews, and people get asked, trans men, elders get asked, why are you here? And it's, we don't belong in our own community because we're so invisible. And so think about how I think for the older generation, I think stay engaged. Um, and for the younger generation, I would say don't assume. So don't assume that the person that is standing in front of you isn't trans. Maybe. And I think that's, for me, one of the biggest things that we just need to do as humans. And then, I don't know, there's just so many other things that I could think of as far as like getting involved with medical stuff and setting up programs for or reading finding trans elders in your community and, and asking them what they need do they need help grocery shopping do they need somebody to read to them things like that whatever because I think a lot of times the older generation of trans people has grown up really isolated yeah. and then we become invisible and then we're even more isolated and so like how to break that isolation is one of the ways to bridge the generation gap yeah there's a couple of ways that i've tried to for example make being a guest on this talk show accessible because it started it was like me interviewing my immediate friend circle of twitch streamers and so we're all like in our 20s and 30s very technically competent and when we were all streamers we could handle we had devices that could handle like multiple inputs and all this complicated stuff and it was actually having my mom on the show that i realized my complicated tech build for building a scene was too hard for anyone who's not a streamer and so i had to drastically simplify my whole deal because i wanted to be able to have more people than just streamers on my show and I've, over time, I've been realizing like, okay, like I can't assume any one communication method works best. So I need to capture that information. Like what's the best way to get a hold of different people? Some people like email, some people like Discord, some people like texts or phone calls and just try to, and it's challenging to keep track of all of it, which is why I had to make a form that people fill out. And then one, one person that is a prospective guest looked at the form and it was like too much couldn't do it. Like brain was like, this is a lot. I don't feel I can't do this. And I've considered calling that person on the phone and filling it out for them and reading it to them, but they didn't seem open to that, which also no is an answer. That's okay to be like, this is too complicated. I don't want to do it. But that, I think that's another way that people can bridge the generation gap is to reflect. You did a lot of reflection on how you could make your podcast better or you're streaming better or it's called those are accurate yeah both of those are accurate but you know call it a show if you want to you reflected can i call it a radio show because that's what my dad understands (laughs) what's a podcast i'm like it's kind of like a radio show dad like it's a radio show on the internet it's fun but but reflection is a really big part of that and i really applaud you for doing that because i think people get frustrated with the older generation and they're just Mm -hmm. like give up and i think don't give up on us yeah and we won't uh, give up on you. Aw, y'all. We have a comment in the chat. More than Mimi says, it's too complicated. I don't want to do it. Perfectly describes my feelings on gender. That's <laughs> so delightful. Oh my gosh. Can I add something to this? Yeah, Just, please. So I think one of the things that I think we've had the good fortune of experiencing on our show is having some older and like elder trans folks who are still connected to community and who were part of a generation of, we really did have something special. We had to really work to stay connected and we had annual conferences and we had a lot of different 
there was a lot of effort put in to like physically show up for each other. And so since then, everybody has gone off and on their merry ways and just integrated into the larger communities. And so having everybody back has been such a treat because we get to reconnect. It's like selfish, Jacqueline. I just get to talk to our old friends and mentors every week. And so I really enjoy that. And I think sometimes I'll speak for my observation and of some of us who are older is we can be a little stodgy and like adhere to some stereotypes about it's it's uh, and not extend ourselves in ways that we could whether that's embracing people and everything that they are across the spectrum and the various spectrums to just being open and i think extending yourself beyond your comfort level and i think we can stand to do more of that and i find that life like that is amazing in my life to be able to do that. And I also think we are there and people don't know how to find us. So how would you recognize us? And so we have to start figuring that out. And you could wear a Stealth Transmasculine podcast t-shirt. That's <laughs> very true. We, <laughs> we do. So I think there's that. And I think we've heard from some younger folks that, that it's been really, and I, when I say younger, under 50. <laughs> So (laughs) 50 and below. So we've heard heard that Uh, most of our listeners are much younger than that, but we've heard that, that like they don't have the benefit that they thought that they've said, we have it so good that we have to search out for community, look for it. And some people have never met another trans or trans mass person, gender Mm -hmm. and non-binary person in, in, in the flesh. Yeah. 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 So I think it's very complicated. I think just on our end, we need to do some work and, be visible and extend ourselves. I don't want to put it all on younger people. I agree. All. I 100% agree. And I think I want to tell this little bridge story that I've heard from at least two different people in our community, in the trans elder community, I'll call it. Um, and that is the younger generation having it as one of the pronouns that can be used and having people react to that. And one of the reasons that I've heard people say I haven't had this experience because I've had not had anybody ask me to call them it. But one of the reasons that the trans elders have had a reaction to this is because we got called it as in what are you, kind of, as a derogatory thing. Yeah. And so it's very triggering for yeah. us to have that be requested of us and so like really like i agree with kai 100 like we need to expand we need to relax we need to embrace and please be patient with us it took me a while to get used to the pronoun thing because i felt forgotten i felt forgotten by my community and i realized that part of that was my fault like i was invisible because i was comfortable and i didn't have to come out until I was safe or was having sex with somebody or whatever. And I didn't need to come out at work. Like, why would I have to do that? And I got pushed out of my comfort zone and thank God for that. And or the goddess and uh, or the goddess. Or the goddess. Yeah. I thought that was, I saw that the other day and I was like, oh, that is awfully cool there. Just right on. There's also yeah, priests yeah. just throwing it out there. Yeah, I've had verbal arm wrestles with radical feminists about they fought real hard for goddess and now we're doing the god x and where's my divine feminine and i'm like but could we also have a non-binary divine can we just yes and it please yeah thank you yeah <laughs> exactly it's not threatening there's enough deity for everybody come on yeah so anyways i just i just wanted to add that i, I need patience for sometimes some things because sometimes you don't know what's triggering to me yeah. and it doesn't mean i don't care and it doesn't mean i don't want to grow and, and i'll grow yeah seems like 
patience and grace and assuming positive intent between all well-meaning meaning people navigating relationships is just always a good idea as a general guide. There's multiple people in my little server that use it it's and I keep referencing it because I spent a lot of time both moderating it and building it and also participating in it. So my online trans community is this Discord server that I started and co-manage with a couple of gender wonderful friends. But yeah, there are people who use it and I think it's important to hear the stories of our elders and why it was painful for them and to think about what does it mean to be reclaiming it. And I think about one of one of the people talks about how some days their gender feels like a blob. Like some days gender is very femme, some days it's very masculine, but it's like on femme days, it's femme, but it's not she, her femme, it's fey fair femme because it's femme, but it's not cis. And this person is assigned female at birth. And so it's, it's, I just, I'm watching all of these complex navigations and it's beautiful to see it. And it's so cool to be in a community that's thinking about identity so much that people can articulate it. Because I think a lot of people have these feelings within themselves, but there's not always words to explain it all. Yeah. I think like you say something here about this person. And when I talked about cisgender being on a spectrum, it sounds like at least for some in your community, in Mm -hmm. in your generation, they don't need that because they're they're not cisgender, but they identify as femme today or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so there's not as this, there's not as much battle. But I think for older people, for older lesbians, dykes, gay men or whatever, or, or heterosexuals even, I don't know, bisexuals, that gender in our era, like Kai mentioned, like the FTM and the MTF, it's one or the other. It was super binary. And so it's even though we had androgynous, like androgynous was almost in, uh, or sometimes it was used in a derogatory kind of sense. Mm. It was not always a positive thing. And so when you transitioned, you had to be like one, one or the other and going all the way, whatever that means. And I think that when you mentioned, I would have liked to know is that there was no end point for Mm. transitioning. There was no end point. There was no final product. And I don't know, like for people who, even for people, I, I watched this show growing up trans the other day and I've talked to people who have had phalloplasty as well. And I wonder, okay, so now you've done quote unquote, all the surgeries. Now you're taking the hormones. Are you a final product or do you feel like a final product? Or at some point, are you accepting the fluidity of not being a final product? And like this one trans girl, she was 18 and she was getting vagina made at that point. And she was just like, I want to forget about being trans. I just want to go to college and be a girl. And I was like, and I wondered, is that reality? Is that going to be reality or is it something that like is her transition going to mean something else 10 20 years from now yeah yeah folks are talking about how gender and sexuality are gooey and fluid in the chat now (laughs) super i agree they they are gooey and i'm gonna sound like an old fart but i'm gonna i'm gonna say we've had a few older trans and i'm talking like i think about jason in particular who some of us have had been called freaks and and called it's and been harassed and assaulted and because of our presentation and so holding on to the binary is something that people grasp tightly they do it and that's and it's so much a part of who they are that it's if you're 
And I think that's okay. Don't try to change me. I won't try to change you. But like some people, it's just so much a part of, they don't identify as trans. They identify as male, like AFAB folks, they're male and they're, and some people don't want to identify their gender identity assigned at birth, gender assigned at birth at all. They're just, so it's just an interesting way of, it's a generational difference perhaps, but I think I like the flexibility now, but I also know that uh, some for some that's just who they are without question. Yeah. So. Well said. And for I think any, I, for I, anyone I, that wants to hear more of Jason's episode, we've just plopped it in the Twitch chat and it will also be in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to say that like, listening to Jason's story will give you a historical perspective that you might not be aware of, like in a really personal way, like you can read about Stonewall and you can read about different things, but hearing Jason talk about it is touching, is intense. I have purchased multiple books because I've listened to your show. (laughs) People have talked about either the documenting that they're doing of trans life stories or whatever is going on. So my my library is expanding because the cool people that you all talk to. Yeah, it's good. Let's see. What do you all wish that trans youth and trans young adults knew or what do you want them to know? I don't know. I think we've been talking about it. I don't think yeah. for me, I don't know that there's much more to say, Kai. And just rally support as best you can. Whoever that is, if it's not your family of origin, if you have people around you, that are good folks that are going to look out for you. I think that's really critical. And remember, we love you. There are trans elders out there. And even if you don't know us personally, we do love and respect you and support you. Every time I've had a trans elder on the show, you all are not the first. I have always felt their collective pride of us as younger people, like carrying the torch and doing the thing. And it makes me so, I feel so touched. And hearing this conversation about it, it's, for example, I think about, is that an example of young people not knowing their history or is an example of this generation or these generations of younger transgender diverse people healing ancestral trauma, healing the trans ancestral trauma of the relationship to that word and that use of language. And, and maybe it's both or something else, but. I think it is both, I really do. And I think that you might not even know it's both as you're doing it. And we might not know it's doing both as you're doing it. And that's why I think we need each other to remember the history and remember that ancestral healing. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about aging. What concerns do both of you have relating to aging and elder care for trans elders? I know it's a passion project of a couple of people that I've encountered. And I don't think we've gotten to talk about it very much on this show specifically. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and you're welcome to take a longer time answering it. And if there's a couple of different pieces you want to touch on. Okay. We're happy to have our podcast and connect with older trans folks, older than us. And many of them have done policy work and push for care and <clears throat> legislation to help protect us and to help create standards of care for older trans and non-binary folks. So for example, Jude Patton, Jameson Green, Jameson's going to be on our next season two, and we're going to have, they're working with the WPATH, World Professional Association of Transgender Health, and US PATH, US version of that to help provide standards of care for older trans and non-binary folks. So that's one thing that like, we, some of the advice that that we were given, I'm thinking about Jameson, was to 
get involved in local government to help push for and ask about what are you doing for elder trans folks and what how are, are your policies including or not including trans persons and non-binary persons so that's one thing that that is an important issue just because there aren't you know, most of us in terms of our aging it's who's going to take care of us how are we going to survive how are we going to be respected in our gender identity as, as we maybe uh, need additional care and support and maybe if we have to go to assisted living or we have some sort of cognitive functioning changes, cognitive changes, are people going to respect us and treat us in an affirming, loving way while they're in care? Just that's a huge concern. It's just a fear a lot of us have because yeah. there's no place for us to go. There's no trans and non-binary assisted living facility yet, I'll say. So or like I, I joke, but I'm like in the process of, I have like a very close brother transition around the same time he's one of Jekyll and our litter mates we're sharing living quarters so we're trying to create community in our little platonically hubs. like not in a relationship they're creating community <laughs> right no right. I think that it's yeah. important to clear yeah. that up yeah we're very intimate friends we're not we're not lovers but yeah <laughs> not yet <laughs> <laughs> no but just creating community and having like having connection because so many of us as we age we can become isolated and we can have different health ailments and age-related health problems, mental health problems, things like that. So those are things just off the top of my head of what comes to mind. And then another thing that's come up, pardon me, Chuckle, is that a lot of us are having to deal with older care, caring for or our parents, our caregivers. And some of us have very complicated relationships with our, our families of origin. And so having to make decisions about how much or how little care we'll provide when someone doesn't acknowledge our gender identity. Yeah. If it's time to care, take care of dad and dad misgenders you, uses your name assigned to birth, things like that. It's really complicated. It's really difficult for anyone. And then you throw in those extra layers. It's a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. I think, especially when you talk about the misgendering piece, I think when parents get dementia or when it's written on the parents' um, intake form that they have three daughters and a guy shows up and they're like, who are you? And so not, so really that's a really complicated issue and, and trying to figure out like how to interact with your parents. I too have a very fortunate relationship with my dad who's 90 years old. He takes the time every time I'm on the phone with him to call me son. I love you, son. I'm proud of you, son. No, he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. And he wants a girlfriend. So if there's anybody out there that's around 60, he's like really into redheads. So there you go. I'm not trying to get my dad a girlfriend for real. But no, but he's a sweetheart. Like he's a sweetheart. And I appreciate that. But there are people that have really complication, complicated relationships with their parents. But the medical industry has not been on our side for a long time. And so even if your parent, even if my dad went into the hospital and he wasn't misgendering me, there might be some paperwork somewhere that misgendered me. And then all of a sudden I wouldn't be allowed to visit my dad. What happens in that kind of case? And the other thing is about just general aches and pains, like hip replacement, knee replacement, like types of surgery, hip replacement in particular has been a big issue because people are like, okay, I haven't had lower surgery because for a lot of people that are older than us 
it wasn't an option. Mm. It was a butchery. It was not, it was a lot of different things. So a lot of people haven't had it. And they're like, now I have to tell my doctor who never knew because it was never an issue. But now like the anesthesiologist needs to know who's in the room when you're under the knife and out when you're getting, this is really sensitive stuff, right? This is really important and sensitive stuff for us like it comes up and it really concerns us it causes us stress yeah i so i've mentioned briefly earlier that my doctor is non-binary and they work at a clinic that's super cishet like standard whatever blah so there's like their intake paperwork and then there's my doctor's intake paperwork which is like nine more pages of like questionnaire on like gender identity. What are your goals if you're starting HRT? Where are you where are you trying to get to without assuming it's like a binary point A to point B situation? And I've heard people talk about instead of saying you're male or female on some sort of intake form, like doing like a body part inventory. Do you have a uterus? Do you have a penis? Do you have breasts? Do you have X, Y, Z? Because then do you need a mammogram? Do you need a pregnancy test, et cetera, et cetera? And honestly, the thing that has given me the most dysphoria in my life is when I've gone in to have top surgery and they made me take a pregnancy test. And I was just like, like I'm not having sex with anyone who produces sperm. I've never have in my life. Like, why? They're like, we don't believe you. You still have to pee in a cup. And I'm like, seriously, it's only for pregnancy tests. Oh my God, it's so infuriating. And there's there was no way to opt out of it. And I've asked other hospitals for other surgeries. Can I just opt out of this test? Like I've done, I've spent so many spoons trying to just not get asked that question and it's exhausting. So anyway, with current events the way they are, I actually like yesterday or the day before emailed my doctor asking about a total hysterectomy because I do not want to ever be pregnant from anyone yeah on accident or aggressively i don't want that (laughs) yeah it's a it's just a huge one of the concerns about aging is same concerns everyone has who's trans and non-binary and queer and who identifies as cis like who can produce have have babies (laughs) out of their bodies things like that for others but just so much if you we there's so much at stake right now for they're not it's like the feeling of safety right now is so tenuous and we're we're really pleased to have a co-host for a few episodes this next season who is a trans man of color who is talking about non-disclosing trans men so he's bringing on some of his friends who are men of color who are talking about their experiences and the different intersectionalities that Jackal and I can't speak to. And they're talking about just what it's like to walk, to go from being a black woman to being a black trans man out in the world and the level of aggression and in in some instances brutality that happens. So it's just been really eye-opening for us. And we're really pleased to be able to have just privilege to have Tristan co-host and trust us to be, to be some part of his, his participation is priceless. And I I just want to add to that, that he's like a political scientist. And so one of the things that he really adds is like he knew and, and like, we're all horrified by the Supreme Court decision on Friday, but he saw it coming. And not only that, but what he anticipates for us as trans and non-binary people is a scary reality. And so if we have these fears now as older trans people, what is it going to be like with this really young Supreme Court that is not 
on our side. What kind of rights are going away? What kind of, like they're criminalizing doctors who give abortions now. What are they going to do about doctors that give gender affirming care? No? That's, why, so it's not that's just, why I'm trying to get it done as fast as possible, honestly. No, but, yeah. I, but it's not just now. It's And it's not yeah. just, it's it, this could go on for a long time. And we need an exit plan. We need a strategy to, to protect ourselves and our community. Absolutely. At every, um, at, in every age, at, at, I mean, like this, we're talking about aging, yeah. but for our youth, especially the trans youth out there, middle age, whatever age you are, like, yeah. serious. Yeah. Spencer was on to talk about some of the politics and what's happening in current events. It was before the SCOTUS decision that was leaked. And it's, he talked about how the folks on the right are being pretty obvious about their goal. They're just really plainly stating their bigoted ideas. And it's scary. And then I hear my wife talk about her aging mother and how naive she is about this stuff. And she's going through later in life things like not only menopause, but other body-related stuff. And what if she needs to have some sort of medical procedure? And what if she can't get it? Like it hasn't occurred to her that her conservative state she lives in that she might not be able to get the Medicare medical care she needs because people are so bigoted towards trans people that they're just banning it for everybody. And so it's this doesn't just affect trans people who are aging. It also affects cisgender people, white cisgender people who are aging, yeah, totally. <laughs> which is yeah. why everyone should care. It's, it's almost like the only thing that's going to be uh, protected as sperm because you can masturbate or whatever and you can have your sperm go anywhere you want. God knows that getting a, an erection is your God-given, but everything else beware. Yeah. Heavy, heavy stuff. And wanted to add one more thought on this topic. Cis men should care about all of this abortion stuff that's happening because you are financially on the hook if you make babies because your get out of jail free card is gone. So go get a vasectomy right the f now. <laughs> it's my one F-bomb for the whole stream. Go get a vasectomy oh. right now. It's reversible and it's cheap and it's way less invasive than anything an AFAB person is going to have done. Like the recovery I, period is I so I thought that brief. that was on the table. I thought that was on the table, but it hadn't passed yet. Yeah, I don't know. But it's hard for me to keep track of it all, honestly. But it's yeah, it's a time. So we also need to love each other and lift each other up and be kind. Like within the trans community, it's so easy to get in like doom scrolling. Like just two nights ago, I'm visiting friends to do pride stuff and go see a musical, a very queer musical. And and I'm like up till five in the morning doom scrolling on Twitter because everything is terrible. And it's I came across this tweet that was just the phrase stop doom scrolling repeated until they run it ran out of characters. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's 5 a.m. Uh -huh. I need to turn off Twitter and go to bed because it's really stressing me out. And that's actually why I like quit using certain social media platforms at the start of the pandemic is because I get in this like headspace. And frankly, it's encouraging to me to hear from my elders that like we have gone through trial and tribulation like this before we survived we made it to the other side we're still alive and well adjusted and can make jokes adjusted i guess is questionable depends on if you're close to your therapist or not i have it's... a joke about my therapist but i can't <laughs> i don't think i should say that <laughs> you can type it in the chat we can giggle about it ourselves <laughs> kylie do you have something you wanted to say i just i think like you're right, like doom scrolling and things. Self-care is really important. I know it's a way overused phrase and knowing when it's time to get off, when to get off social media, to stop watching the news, whatever it is, it's not, it's okay. Just take care of yourselves. It's okay to stay informed. And then it's really easy to just get sucked in and just, yeah, and that can really be hard on our mental health. So I'm hundred percent with you. Just get off occasionally. 
in yeah. all kinds and, of ways. <laughs> yeah, no, and I have I, I seriously have to agree with this because again, like I'm staying with a, a friend of mine right now, and and she is somebody who not only lived in the era of pre Roe versus Wade, but was in the medical field and saw and had to help people who had botched abortions. And so she is so positive with her like inspiration of like, I lived through the bad times. I've lived through better times. I've lived through the good times. And now we're going back to bad times. I still have hope. And that is a very positive message. So I, I believe in hope. I believe in the love and I believe in the kindness, but hope is a fundamental for me. Oh my gosh. So fun. Why did you start your show? Why did you start Stealth, a transmasculine podcast? Okay, go. Can we also admire that the acronym for your show is STP and that is Stand to P, which is a fun acronym and also the queers love the puns the end. And it happens to be a focus all the time. Peeing. <laughs> we talk about peeing almost every show. It's true. So, yeah. It's true. It's true. And it's it's like, a focus. We focus just want to pee. We just want to pee. We just want to pee. Okay. Like it doesn't like, but the, it, it's such a big issue. Like, it is. Know. Every time oh, I have sorry, a dilemma, which bathroom to go into, I yeah. think of you all and your show and how much you talk about it. And I'm like, I'm not alone in this dilemma. Now I feel like I have to pee. So we're just going <laughs> to. Why did okay. you start us to so, We started. So I had been thinking about a podcast similar to this and was trying to rope another friend into participating with me who wasn't as intrigued by the idea. And then someone posted on a list that we're on with a bunch of old farts. And this person brought up the a podcast and Jackal messaged me and said, we should start one, Kai. And so... Mm-hmm. I was like, let's talk. So that's how it started. And we just made it up as we went. We didn't think we'd it would amount to much beyond a few chats with old friends. So that's how we ended up starting. Is that your recollection, Jekyll? Yeah, I have a little piece to add about the person who was on this chat or lists around on what it's called anymore, said something about they had a podcast and they were asking if anybody lived a life of stealth. And it blew up, but like people were talking about that it was a derogatory word and da, da, da. And I'd never, I've been, I think I've been out of the community for so long. Like I just didn't even realize like what a thing it was, but it really got me thinking about our invisibility. It was around the same time as my reaction to the pronouns. And yeah, and Kai was on this thread. And so I was like, I like, why don't we do a podcast about these trans elders? And one of my thinking was just to capture, I wasn't even thinking like a podcast necessarily. I was thinking of a, an archive of mm, oral histories, yeah, yeah. but I wanted them to be kind of what you talk about live streaming or something like that. So they're not just in an archive in some library that nobody ever goes to or ever, but it's whatever, or they're not, or yeah, or they're not an hour and three hours long and you're searching for a tidbit or something like it's something that's like accessible. And so, yeah, you just say accessible. (laughs) Never mind, you try. I'm just making it up. Did I say say something something bad? I don't know. Anyways, I... uh, So Kai and I started talking about it and it was really, for me, really great the way we clicked and complimented each other on what we wanted to do and what our vision was. Kai was very much in the 
reconnecting with my brothers, reigniting the fire under our generation of community. And, and, and I was really about educating and bridging that the generational gap about with our stories within yeah. the context of our stories. So I think that there is a way that our visions really complemented and clicked with one another. And, and it was, yeah. And we did, we were doing it for ourselves, right? Like it wasn't like for me, I talked about it in one of our, we do banter before our interviews. And one of them was like, it was therapy for me. Like I, I it was, I really have been able to grow in respect for the younger generations and the non-binary community and things like this that I had reactions to because of my own experience and my own traumas and things like that through this podcast, yeah. through this podcast. And so I hope that it's beneficial to other trans men of my generation. I hope it's beneficial to your generation and everybody in between. Can I add something? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the things that's really that was really apparent was i had been out for a long time which is a similar path for some of us like where we get really involved in community and outreach and activism and doing lots of things for some of us and that was my experience and then i went underground and yeah. it was the type of work i was doing i was working with kids i was going in people's homes i was working for catholic agencies i was and i just didn't feel comfortable or think it was appropriate to be out and i ended up just going underground and just becoming so much my world became so much smaller and i became just less connected to other trans folks i was living in new york city you can't go anywhere without some sort of youth center for trans and gender not gender like diverse people and i was quote unquote like stealth and it was inadvertently i ended up there and then it was like now what what am i going to do when i go and go to I would go to youth centers with a kid with a, with a teenager who I was working with and try to connect them to programs and I was like what do I out myself to this adult here that's working they don't care I'm here for the kid so I just never came out and that tension that hidden part of myself became so unbearable I felt mm. so isolated and I felt like there was this huge part of my life that was living in fear and for me, that was something I couldn't handle anymore. It was like I was living in the middle of nowhere in Hawaii. I had nobody that was trans. And so I ended up just wanting to start this podcast like this. And I just didn't want to live my life like this anymore. Yeah. And so I ended up taking a job on the mainland for a queer organization serving our community. And that was what I did. And it changed my life. And so being able to like openly talk about it and talk about it with Jackal and understand like how nuanced our lives are and how for us, some of us, it's a matter of life and death, whether or not we it disclose. Is. And disclosure is, it's just something that it's so personal. And I really enjoy hearing from everyone on the show about what it is that, that how they're living. So that was my own personal experience was I just couldn't live stealth anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think mm -hmm. your show does a great job of discussing issues of disclosure, discussing how complex it is, like examining people's various perspectives and opinions about it. Like from like, I chose to, I chose not to disclose or I did not choose a life of low disclosure and using the word even disclosure versus some other word. Like it's such a wonderful, it's, it feels like a bunch of auditory essays on this topic and yeah. there's so much nuance to it. And also your show normalizes so much of the trans experience and it's empowering to listen to and to hear all of these different stories. It's really wonderful. Yeah. I'm thrilled that it reaches people. I really, we'll get into some demographics in just a second, but I think it became really important. Like Kai and I debated 
I was really 100% wanted to name the show Stealth. Like I was like, this is the name of the show. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, you have to convince me kind of thing. And uh, for me, like for one, I think Stealth is a sexy name for a show because it's so controversial within our community. Okay. And I think it's ironic that I'm wearing a shirt that says Stealth, a trans masculine <laughs> podcast in the colors of trans. The stuff is okay, whatever. I'm not trying to be Stealth or whatever. But, uh, but I think that there was and is such a division between what stealth is what words we should use if you're going back to the beginning of the show and talking about language and pronouns and visibility and things like that and judgment if people choose to live stealth or what stealth means as a linguist or non-disclosing i personally don't like the word disclosure or non non non-disclosing i don't have a problem with but disclosure Mm -hmm. i have an issue with because for me it sounds like a legal term that i'm supposed to disclose this information to somebody like or have you disclosed yet and it sounds ominous to me where stealth just sounds like i'm just a kitty cat trying to catch the mouse (laughs) so whatever yeah it's, it's for me it's a lot different but it is a controversial word and I think that it's important to show the richness of our community and the importance for people who are non-disclosing without judgment mm-hmm. and and why people have a problem with it without judgment. I think it's, I've loved the interviews that we've done and I'm yeah. so appreciative of our guests. Yeah, I think one, the banter between the two of you at the start and end of your shows really shows off your friendship which I just love getting to listen to. It it feels great to be able to hear that. And I also think that the phrase stealth encapsulates the part of the premise of the show where it's people who came out or started transitioning on or before the year 2000, because a lot of it is explicitly and specifically about trans elders and how elders are getting erased, or there's just a lack of visibility with those stories. And so I think that the name really catches that piece, which I don't know if we've mentioned those specific pieces of the premise of your show yet. So I wanted to make sure it was brought up. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I... Yeah, if you don't know about our show, we have a show called Stealth, a transmasculine podcast. Kai can give you all the information about the platforms or whatever. But we try to capture the stories of transmasculine elders who transitioned around or before the year 2000. Some of our guests transitioned as late as 2006 and 2007. However, I want to say that those are people of color and there might be specific reasons to their stories. And the yeah, the, uh, we think that our stories are often overlooked once we become invisible. And as I say, I don't choose to live stealth, but stealth happened to me Yeah, because all of a sudden I became invisible. You, you pass as a cis man all of a sudden. Yeah. How do you find guests for your show? We call on a lot of friends. Yeah. And yeah, we really do. It's that's how we do it. And we say word of mouth and then we've had people approach us. So if you want to go to our show, if you want to be a guest on our show, if you transition, whatever that means to you on or before around 2000, the year 2000, go to our website, let us know. We'll talk to you. If people that, you know, that, that might find this interesting or fall, fall into that demographic, let them know. We would love to, we would love to talk with you. For sure. How has the show been received besides this one non-binary person's positive feedback? I just want to say thank you so much for getting in touch with us. I, yeah, I've been thrilled every time I speak with you, and just the very first time that you, I think you connected with us on Twitter. I was like, who is this person? They're so <laughs> sweet, and I'm just so glad we met. And I'm just like every we've talked a few times, and I'm just really thank you for that. And I really, totally. I can't. You're providing us with 
access to a platform Twitch. We didn't even know what the it was. And <laughs> I still don't know what it is. It's I'm on Discord. I still don't like, how does this work? <laughs> so I really appreciate that. So it's been received. I was really surprised. We're going to go in a little bit about the stats and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but like the audience who, according to the demographic information pulled from the different streaming platforms is younger people. And that might be because we're too old to listen to podcasts. I don't well, know. We don't know. We don't know how. Like, what's a podcast? <laughs> So I'm what's actually, I, I, what's I, I consume a lot of podcasts. So that's, I really well, you're do. You're Sporty Spice. You got to listen to something I, um, while you're Sporty Spice. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm really thrilled by, by, by that. I think that was the question. It was like, I can't remember the question anymore. So, How's it been received? No, been received? I think keep going because I think that it's really interesting. Like we were, I don't know how the statistics, Kai is the statistic or the platform God. When we talk about how it's been received, like literally we started this like, thinking like maybe three people will listen to it you me and my mom like whatever and and that was it like we didn't care but it's been really well received how many countries has it reached Kai? over 40 so for us it's pretty big we didn't even think that would be a thing (laughs) so we're pretty impressed can i just can i run down like who's listening so we've had most of the visitors are from the united states mexico canada the uk and France. Bonjour. And uh, and then we've had lots of people from Australia, Germany, the Netherlands, Norway, the Slavic countries, Scandinavian countries, Western Europe, Brazil, Poland, China, Czechia, India, Portugal, Republic of Korea, Macedonia, like lots of different places. So just shout out to everybody, Vietnam, Taiwan. So we're really we didn't expect any of that at all. And so we've had people just be real sweet peas with us. Like we've had some people on Twitter get in touch with us. We're learning how to really use Twitter in a way that's in any way useful, aside from just being like, hey, so we're not very big social media presence. We don't have a big social media I don't know presence. If anybody tries to follow us on Instagram, <laughs> please don't judge because I'm <laughs> the one that I'm the one that's currently posting on Instagram and I have no idea what I'm doing. So there you go. Right. Just so you know, right. I posted the gender genderful thing to hey, follow us here. I just posted the Twitch thing on it. So I don't know what's gonna happen. That was awesome. So it's beyond our wildest dreams is how it's been received. And I will say just like knowing the demographics of who's listening, but also just it's been received well by our guests. And that's what that's, I think, what I'm really impressed by is just how wonderful everybody is. Thank you. Yeah. One of one of the things I love about having a talk show is I get to make a bunch of cool friends. So you're interviewing your friends. And I started that way, but then I ran out of friends to interview. Not all of them. Some of them aren't available till later, but I exhausted that immediate circle. So I've had to like go make new friends. <laughs> and it's, oh no, my social anxiety. <laughs> but yep, usually, yep. You do, usually you do trans good. people are okay with talking to trans people. They're like, yeah, you're cool. Yeah. Let's hang. And I'm like, really? You want to talk to me? What? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're a sweetheart. And I just want to seriously, like we're, we are like, Kai listens to podcasts, but I don't think we have really a good clue about how to do a podcast. I've been doing the editing. Kai's been amazing with the website. And he has done the reach out to new guests. We hopefully will have a guy from the UK, a trans elder from the UK, because we're trying to expand. Tristan, our co-host for season two, will was a guest and Kai reached out to him, I think, blind. And it's and through these other people, like they suggest who else we should interview. And and that's all Kai. That's been Kai. 
So, guys, do you remember this guy? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm old and my memory's shot. I'm sorry. I, I barely remember my mom's name. Jekyll, are there any other demographics you wanted to share or talk about, or do you feel complete on that? Yeah, well, there's just one thing that I'd like to say, and that's that we aren't trying to make money off of this. We want, hopefully break even with the cost that we've put in but we really are trying to promote black trans advocacy and putting our money where our mouth isn't just about interviewing white people it's about interviewing people of color so we've had over 25 percent of our guests have been people of color in season one and and also as you might imagine like most of them have been over 50 like 70 80 percent of their are our interviews were over over 50 years old, the oldest one being 81. So that's Jude Patton, who is focused on trans elder care. Imagine that. And makes an great books. Own. And makes great books, like really, really. And But the limitations are that the majority have been from the West Coast, although we have had people who were born in Cuba or Korea or Sweden being on the show, but they were basically raised in the West Coast or lived in the West Coast for a big portion of their life. So demographically, things have been a bit lopsided in some ways. We're hoping to expand that. So again, like Kai says, if you're interested or if people who are are of that generation, like around 2000 or before, and they want to be interviewed and they live in an underrepresented geographic area, please send them our way. We would love to hear from them. Yeah. And they can sign up to contact you or sign up for the show on transmasculinepodcast.com. Correct. There's two things. Yeah. There, we have a job form that I think is through the website. Yeah. Can I say, too, we're also looking for volunteers. <laughs> we have one, Allie, who's like an absolute love and who's nerdy because I love nerds. I'm a huge fan of nerds. And she is helping us with some of the graphics and Jacqueline, I would love more volunteers and we will, we will give you t-shirts. So yes. <laughs> or at least one and we'll, dote we'll, on we'll you. Give you. We'll give you one t-shirt. <laughs> we'll give you one. We're kind of low budget, but um, <laughs> we will love on you. Yeah, we'll love on you for sure. But yeah, like especially techie people or anything like that helps us get off the ground a little bit more than what we are. Like we're probably a foot off the ground, but if we get two feet off the ground, that would be pretty good. Yeah. I, I love that so much. Okay, so what has delighted you in the process of making STP your show? What has not? And, and <laughs> the number one thing about making Stealth is Kai. That's It's amazing working with Kai. I love working with Kai. And yeah, and everything else. Like Kai and everything else. Would you say Kai and Stealth are Kai-conic? <laughs> That's oh awesome. Oh my God. Jekyll, you're very sweet. And, uh, you guys are funny. <laughs> It has been a really nice thing to work with Jekyll. We were, I don't know, it just brought us together because we've known each other for decades and we weren't like, we haven't hung out in decades. So it's been really special to reconnect and get to know each other better. And we have, we are very different and we have different personalities and we are both can, I'm just going to, we can both dig our heels in. And We're have Capricorns, strong, both of us. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we can have some strong opinions and we're learning to work them out and figure out, we're trying to figure out where we want to go, what we want to be when we grow up, because we are baby podcasters and you're right. It's, we are learning that just by virtue of us being who we are and being podcasters that we are political, just it's a political act and this world right now needs to have a platform for lots of us. So we're figuring out like 
how do we want to remain true to our roots, which is how things centering around disclosure and trans mask identities and still be good allies and still fight the fight. So we're figuring that out as we go. That's been a really unexpected pleasure and it's really challenging in all the right ways. I think it's, and I really appreciate Tristan because he asks us really hard questions and important questions and he's bringing just a lot more to, to my experience. Yeah. What didn't you expect when you started making a podcast? Popularity. That's for me. I, mean, it's not, I don't know. Like, I didn't think anybody, I didn't know that anybody would listen to it. I didn't even know. I literally didn't even know if podcasts were in anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had no idea. But you, yeah, Kai, what didn't you expect? Yeah, I think I, I didn't expect some of the people I know to listen to it and listen to more than an episode and people are still coming around to it and my family's listening to it and I just think it's really sweet it's just really sweet to I'm I'm really thrilled about is I get to see who's listening to which episodes and where they're located and I can see like Jason's episode is the most popular Jason lives underground I don't know if Jason knows how important he is and how important his story is and how valued his history is. And I got in touch with someone that Jacqueline and I both know that's up in Vancouver. And I was like, dude, you got to come on the show. And he just was like, I don't think anybody wants to hear from me anymore. I think I'm just mm. like, I'm forgotten entity. Like I, I'm irrelevant. And I'm like, no, you're not my brother. You got to come on the show. And yeah. just that Northern kind of yeah, just really, I want, I'm so thrilled that people are willing to show up for us and I want, I, if we can give them a voice, because we're talking about movers and shakers. We're talking yeah. about important people who. You never knew that they were behind the right. things that you can do now and take it, it take maybe for granted, getting your birth certificate changed or getting whatever. Gender yeah, Spencer helped with or, that stuff. We talked about it right. on the stream. It's and like, I don't, really? I, that was you? I Trust me. I was like, wow. Yep. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I was a little reluctant to say something like that. It's because I just sound like the old fart saying, you don't know what you have, what, who these people are. <laughs> no, I don't it's mean true. It, like, I hope, I no, hope it I, doesn't sound like that, but no, you know, it's like, when, what I get, Kai, I'm sorry to interrupt you. When I say about this person that you're talking about, who I don't want to give away the name of because this interview will be coming up, is that I think that the one thing that is really important about our show is that it is me and Kai who knew a lot of these people personally in an era that was super important for the movement of yeah. transgender, trans men, yeah. trans masculinity. Yeah. And so when Kai reaches out with his sweetness, he like people respond. They're like, oh, Kai, or like this and that. Oh, but I'm irrelevant. Or sure, I'll come on your show. And what a great idea. And then they're like so thrilled to tell their story to us. And part of that is because of we we loved them and we loved them back when we were all a community together. So it's it's this thing that I don't think for example that that it wouldn't be the same dynamic in like in if younger people were doing this. I don't know. Like maybe I'm wrong, but I think that the way that me and Kai talk to these people about their stories is unique for them and they are they're so important. I hope I just didn't invalidate anybody. I really feel I'm trying to like, sorry. No, you're all good. I'm 
enjoying this conversation so much. I earlier had to massage my cheeks because they hurt from smiling this whole time. <laughs> That's how much of a good time I'm having. So this is our sort of last call to the Twitch chat. If anyone wants to ask questions, this is your chance. I have two more questions to ask our guests, but if anyone has any more, this is your chance. So can each of you share an experience with gender euphoria, a time that you felt like really good in your gender, maybe identity or presentation or what have you. I just visited my dad, who I mentioned earlier, who's 91. And I'll just shout out to my sister, who is his caregiver. And I got to spend two weeks with him and talk to him about driving because <laughs> he's still driving at 91. And what he told me was he had talked to his friends and he said, my son tells me that I should try to stop driving. So just like Jekyll said, like having him refer to me without a hesitation as his son is something that was my childhood dream and I'm there and I can't ask for a bigger moment of euphoria. So wonderful. But you, Jekyll? I don't know. Like, it's funny, but I ha I'm going to say that there's very little in my life that I don't think was gender euphoria. I think that my whole journey has been a euphoric gender expression. And I wouldn't miss out on any part of it, including the hard parts, because I think it makes me all of who I am, which is like a, a gender trans Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> that's my, that's for, my for those who can't see, Jackal's had how many midlife crises? Crises. It's like when you frost your hair again. He's got the boy band look again. Santa beard, looking super foxy. I'm Santa. You oh, look yeah. super foxy. You remind me of In Sync. My my wife introduced me to FaceApp recently, which is this app you can put on your phone and you can do gendered things to your face with it because she's yeah. going to have facial feminization surgery later this year. She just got her dates. She's very excited. It'll be a two-part wow. process. And so she was wondering, what am I going to look like when I'm girl mode on my face more than I am now? And so she was showing me the pictures. And I was like, well, that's cool. And I scanned my face to put into the FaceApp thing and it read me as masculine or as a guy which again, non-binary, but transmasculine non-binary. So I was like, that's cool. And then I was trying some of the different filters and one of them's old and another one is cool old. So I tried cool old and I looked very similar to Spencer Berkstead. I was like, what is happening? I said it to him. He was like, I don't know the context for this, but. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, right. so you can you look. Know. You can you can look like just a high <laughs> silver fox. So, <laughs> so Jackal, like you've got the cool old my, going on. <laughs> yeah, pumping myself instead of Spencer's bald, and I'm not. If you cool old like me, you still got your hair. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, well, Spencer. You've, sorry. you've got hair on the top of your head, and he's got hair on the bottom of his head. It's fine. I got beard. I got you a beard. Know. I can you, grow you it You totally out. I just do. Don't want... It's so fun. Oh my gosh. I know, I'm just... <laughs> So that's my recent moment of euphoria is, is that the face app recognized that I was masculine of center, basically. It's like the that's AI great. figured awesome. it out. Okay. My, my last question tonight is, what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans or gender diverse issues? That they're in danger. And that we're still a sensitive population and if you're not part of the community to reach out get educated 
support us, fight for us. Yeah. What about you, Kai? I think our show, as we talk about, we are a living community. We are here. We're like lovable. We're tight. We're special. We're all these things. And <laughs> so tired right now. It passes that time. <laughs> and and we're just we what we wanna I think I think we're available. And I don't mean in a pervy way like you said, Jacqueline. Just like, <laughs> I was gonna repeat sexy, hello. And you're like, No, but I think a lot of us are around. Like get in touch with us. Maybe we need to have a mentoring thing with it on our site. Like what one thing I will say with our website is we have like space for comments. Nobody's filled out a single comment because everybody accesses on their phone. The can't site you access can't you write a comment through your phone? They're not even visible. So it's just a glitch on the website. And, and I, I was thinking like back in the day, people used to write comments on websites and then have chats and it's like none of that. So anyway, our perspective on gender and non-binary trans issues, I think it's like, let's stay connected. Let's connect. And we are a lovable, vibrant community. That's very multi-layered. So Beautiful. I'm glad we're all here. Just be who you are. And volunteer so that we can get comments on our website. <laughs> we are pretty sorry a lot. You couldn't tell. <laughs> it wasn't a plan. We, we try really hard, but we have, we're not. You know it. what? I don't even have a website yet. I bought the domain, but I haven't built the website yet. So you had me on that. Squarespace. Uh, if I can figure it out, anybody can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, thank you so much for letting us be oh, here. Do we have goodness. questions? Or we are getting wonderful comments. We have a fair number, actually, of trans femmes in the chat who are like, wow, I never knew any of this about trans guys. This is fascinating. So that's happening a bit. And then we've got the, you couldn't invalidate me if you tried comment from a fellow non-binary trans femme friend. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I, I felt really bad for a second. I was like, am I saying something stupid right now? No. <laughs> one thing I love about you, Jekyll, is you're willing to accept responsibility for when shit goes, stuff goes south. Excuse my language. <laughs> like, that's one thing that we say on our show is we're going to be accountable and we are learning as yeah. we go. And we really appreciate the feedback. And we're so happy that you're having us on your show and that you reached yeah. out to us and we got to connect with you. Count us among our friends, as, as, count us yeah, as a friend. Yeah. And like we do the count, your friends. we count you as a friend. And we're so thrilled to have met you and to be a part of your show. And thank you to everybody who's been participating. And wherever you are, we can't see you because <laughs> we don't know what a Twitch is. But thank you. Maybe sometime we'll have a Zoom call where we can do a screen share and I'll help you figure out what a Twitch well is. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You already Please. did that. You were so sweet. <laughs> it's true. But it was Saturday morning and I had barely had my coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh. And I was in the middle of moving, too. I, like, stopped packing oh, my, my house goodness. to talk to you for an hour. <laughs> yeah, you're a total rock star. That's all I have to say. <laughs> we have one more comment from the chat that says, I'm most related to the idea of not being out as unbearable. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Is there Thank anything you. that either of you wanted to make sure you say that I haven't asked you about or any final closing thoughts that we missed? No, I was teasing Kai about saying thank you too early, but but that's all I would like to say is just sincerely thank you. And really, you do have a friend in me and in us if you ever need that. And uh, Happy Pride. Happy, and happy Pride. Pride. Yeah. Awesome. I am so pleased that both of you are here. This has been a total delight. I've been telling everyone about the stream all week. It's, and to finish off the Pride lineup, we have this really cool people coming on. You should totally come for this episode. So I, the enthusiasm and love and adoration is mutual and shared. And thank you both mm -hmm. for showing up. 
today for this shenanigan. So folks listening to the show, there's a ton of resources in the comments. I'll probably be contacting Kai and Jackal for some of the links to some of the things that they mentioned over the next week. So check out the show description. We're going to be linking multiple episodes of their podcast. You can go listen to some of the people that they've been talking about and you can catch up with them at transmasculinepodcast.com or you can check out their link tree which is linktr.ee forward slash stealth trans mask podcast m-a-s-c mask and that link tree has links to all of the things including things that maybe don't exist today when i'm saying this but will exist by the time you hear it whoa that's the magic of link tree so do check out their website and their offerings please rate and review their show and mine wherever you're listening to it and yeah, keep listening to trans and gender diverse people tell their stories. It's really encouraging to those of us who make these shows to see that people care and are interested in what the heck we're up to. Next week's guest is going to be Zelda Gamer 20, and we're going to be discussing hatching via tabletop role-playing games. For now, Genderful would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. Feel free to join us live on Twitch on Mondays. Check out the replays on YouTube on Fridays and keep an eye on your favorite podcasting platforms for edited audio-only versions. As Nefertiti likes to say, trans rights are human rights. Go for it, Jekyll. Genderful, genderful is wonderful. If you haven't listened yet, then you need to get with it. And genderful, happy pride to genderful. If you have a happy pride, then you're happy inside. That was wonderful. I loved that. I just made that up just right now. That was so cute. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>